We are the Robinsons. I'm Faith, and CS is my husband, and this is our oldest daughter, Sarah. She will be nine in one week. And um, her, she, we have, she has two sisters who's in, who's in the kids' church, Mercy, who's six, and our Ella, who is about to be five. And so God called our family into um, working with students through Kyle Campus Ministries. We were serving in Texas for a number of years, and we have been, as Pastor mentioned, in New England. Now, going this is we just began our third year. So two years, this will be our third winter, so we're getting oriented. <laughs> And we're learning, and um, it's been awesome. But um, as Pastor mentioned so wonderfully, the vision of Chi Alpha is, um, you know, and we believe that that the university campus is the most strategic mission field because no other place, and especially in the American campuses, no other place in the world do you do you gather, you know, th this window of students between 18 and 24 years old at the cusp of their life, about to make the biggest decisions they'll ever make, about to set trajectories for their lives in family, in careers, in all of the all of those things. And I don't know any other place <laughs> that where th that many people gather in one place and they're asking, they're seeking questions and looking for friendships and these are the, the, the moments in our lives and, and we can probably all relate for those that have been there, you know, this is when we are most open to things. And so we've had the privilege of just inviting students into our lives, into our home. This is our third um, semester, like really being students in our home. Every Friday night, we host students to play games and have meals and conversations. There, it, basically, we we have spiritual conversations, small groups, and that's happening already. And we've begun to see there's obviously many that are close to the gospel, but they're willing to have friendship. And you start asking questions, their hearts are beginning to shift. And so we have a group like that. And we've also been praying, and God has been answering, that he would send us some hungry believers that are ready to say, we can take this campus for the Lord and with the hunger. And we're seeing some of that happening. And so that's we're two years into that, and there's a lot of work to be done. Thank you for praying and supporting the work, and we're so honored to be here. Hey, thanks for having us. Great to be here with you. Pastor Rich and Pastor Lisa, thank you for this opportunity and great to, great to be here with you today. Pastor Mike, thank you. Uh, Pastor Andrew is my friend. He said, say hi to you. So you are. Good to be with you today. Uh, just like my, my wife Faith was sharing about our heart for missions, what God is doing in the city, it is uh, we are amazed by God's work and how you can be part of it. I always ask uh, the congregation here to, there are three ways you can help us. What is number one? Pray. There you go, that's right, okay. Pray for the revival in New England. Yeah. <laughs> Pray for the revival. Let me ask you a better question. How many of you thought Jesus could actually come today when he woke up? What the, what the truth of the matter is, none of us really thinking that when we wake up. And... Um, and that is partly the reason why God is not doing the work uh, in the midst of his people. So I think we can start praying, God, would you bring, would you come into our world? And revival is not something that happens on a Wednesday evening or a Saturday evening or a Sunday for two hours in the morning. It happens when God's people desire God. 
from my gut when I desire God, I spend time with him intentionally and then eventually he decides to come into our world and be present in our world and when he is present, his presence manifests itself, we call it revival. So it really starts with desiring God in our gut. God, I want to see you today. Really desiring. That is the, that's the revival happens. Second thing that you can do is to, hey, if you have anybody, any professors, any friends, any college students in the Boston area, help them get connected with us. It's, we are looking for relationships that is, that can turn into partnerships so that we can be present in university campuses. Uh, university campuses in the Boston are private schools and it is not easy for us to get in. They would tell us, hey, thanks for being in the city, but may the Lord bless you ministry elsewhere, not on this campus. Oh, I have got that email from people on campuses. So you can be praying that God will open uh, good and uh, meaningful and powerful relationships in the Boston area. So if you have anybody, come find me. Number third, third is that God will give us resources that he can do the work that he called us to do. And I do believe, just like uh, Pastor Rich was saying, that it is the faithful and sacrificial giving of you sitting here that enables us to do what God calls us to do. I thank you for your giving. Thank you for continuing to give to the work of the kingdom. And we can, we, without you giving, and we couldn't be here. I'm be grateful and thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor. Would you, uh, would you turn your Bibles to the book of Jonah? We are going to stay in this passage for a little bit. And stay focused as I read in my Indian American accent. <laughs> so follow along. Don't get discouraged if you don't understand a word. Just stay focused, you'll get it. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, and then we'll go from there to Jonah chapter 4, 1 to 11. So it's a long passage. You stay with me. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. But it displeased John exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant 
and made it come up over Jonah and it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so it was withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. I should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you're present here today. Thank you, Lord, that you're a God who is faithful to show your heart every time we gather together. So this is our prayer today, that you will reveal your heart to us today. That our life will be changed, our decisions will be changed, our motivations will be changed. And when we leave this place, we determine a life that pleases you, that's centered around you, Lord. So would you come today? Be among us and speak to us. Open our hearts and minds. Let your name be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there are a few things that we need to understand about this particular passage for, for those of you who have been in the church. You might have heard hundreds of sermons already from this passage. But who knows, God might speak to you something very different today. So there are a few things that we need to first consider as we go into the sermon. That there are five different points here. Number one, our main character. Hey, when in all the scriptures, the main character is Jesus. But in this passage, we're going to look into number one, Jonah. He's the prophet God is talking to in this particular story. And Nineveh is the place God is sending Jonah, his prophet, on a mission. His mission, God's mission. Tarshish is the place, the most remote place that was available to Jonah at that point of time. So Jonah buys a ticket to go there. And the plant, God appointed a plant to give Jonah shade. And then finally, the people of Nineveh. So these are the different things that we're going to work with today. Number one, what we're going to study is the the title of the sermon is A Prophet's Journey to the Heart of God. There are three things we see. The prophet Jonah is first a prophet who is running away from God. That's point number one. Point number two is the prophet who is angry. And then the point number three, the prophet who is happy or comfort. What's the first point? Jonah running from God's direction. God is getting ready to do something about the evil of the place called Nineveh. But God reaches out to his servant, prophet Jonah, and sends him on his mission, the mission of God, to go preach the gospel to the people of Nineveh. 
And the only thing Jonah must do is to preach against the evil so that the people will repent and come back to God. So Jonah receives the word from God. He understood very clearly the task God gave him. He knew what must he do to accomplish this mission in which God sent him. However, instead of joyfully being part of his master's mission, Jonah began to run away from the task God gave him. He goes to the port city and buys a ticket to Tarshish, 2,500 miles opposite direction. From where Jonah was, Nineveh would have been only 500 miles to the 500 miles to the east, but Jonah pays way more to get to the furthest opposite direction, that is 2,500 miles west, five times far. There is a principle hidden here: when we disregard God's clear direction. It never remains as a one-time disobedience. Instead, we began to move away from him and will eventually find ourselves so far from his care and life becomes burdensome. I, I think about it this way from a preacher's point of view, Pastor, Pastor Rich. This is, this is like the moment of your dream. <laughs> as as preachers, we dream this moment that God would show up one of these evenings and tell me, exactly tell me what to do and also tell me what he will do as a result. I mean, this is like, this is like the, the assignment that we all wait for and pray for and fast about. Now we have to consider why would Jonah the prophet disregard such an opportunity? Why would Jonah disregard God's clear direction. Why would not Jonah go to Nineveh and preach some message of repentance? It says that Nineveh was, Nineveh was evil. Let's look into a little bit of history there. First thing, Nineveh, Nineveh, the place Nineveh was a military power at the time. It was a city of war and its warlike reputation was well earned through its numerous conquests and cruel treatment of those conquered. Israel lived in threat of Nineveh. Israel feared them. Point number one. Point number two, Nineveh was known for their fame and wealth. Number three, their idolatry and sexual perversion of these people was such a bad thing. They have a warlike reputation, fame for wealth, fame and wealth, and also a place of idolatry and sexual perversion. In short, it was a city of evil and well deserving of God's punishment or wrath. And Jonah did not want them to escape the anger of God. Jonah wanted them to pay the price for their evil. Because Jonah, being a person who is from Israel, wanted them to experience and pay for what they have been done to their, his forefathers. Simply said, Jonah hated these people. <laughs> he did not care if the people of Nineveh were all dead. In some sense, Jonah wished if they were all dead for what they have done to him and his forefathers. 
and also because of the idolatry and perversion they live in. Jonah hated the people of Nineveh for who they are. Jonah hated the people of Nineveh because of his or Israel's history with them. Jonah was a victim of the evil works of the people of Nineveh. Jonah believed that the people of Nineveh should pay for what they have been doing in one sentence. Jonah ran away from God's clear direction for the people of Nineveh because he wanted to control the outcome for the people of Nineveh. See, when we run away from God's specific direction to us, we run away from it because we want to control the outcome. When he tells us exactly what to do, and you don't want to do it, I want to run away from it. Somehow, you still want to control the outcome. That was the prophet who is running away. Second, the prophet who is angry at God. First one, the prophet is running away from God. Now the prophet who is angry at God. God listens to the cry of the people of Nineveh. After Jonah preached to them, God had compassion toward them. Seeing the repentance and compassion of God toward them. And the fact that God spared them from judgment. Jonah the prophet is now displeased and angry at God. Is this is pretty amazing, right? Jonah believed in the compassion of God. He must have had experienced that in his own life. He says that, for I knew that you are a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. That's why, Jonah, God sent you. Because he knew it. Jonah believed God should not have compassion to evildoers and idolaters like the people of Nineveh. That's right, God, you are like this, but not to these people. What means that he, Jonah believed that God should have compassion only to certain people, not to everybody. Jonah believed that because the people of Nineveh were not compassionate toward his people, so good should not have compassion toward them. The first reason, the first reason why Jonah was angry at God is that Jonah is displeased and angry at God because God showed compassion to the undeserving. Is it possible for us to be angry at God when God blesses certain people that you don't like. <laughs> it just it is bottom line, right? It's as simple as that. God, you bless me, bless me, because look at me, I'm a prophet of you, and I love you, I gave so much money to your kingdom, but not those people. Those people, they don't deserve any of your nature, any of your character. It's all me, God. Verse 4 to 9. And then God asked him a question. Hey, hey, Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Oh, of course I am angry. <laughs> angry Jonah goes outside the city and sat there to see what would happen to the city. And God appoints a plan to give shade over his head so that he will be comfortable. Do you understand the heart of God? There is this, there is this prophet who disobeyed God and angry at God and God looks at him, oh my son, so much son, 
I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give him a shade. It says Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. This is the only time in the Bible, in the scripture, Jonah is happy. The only time. That's right. Jonah was happy because God provided for his comfort. God provided for Jonah's comfort in the midst of his running away and angry at God. And Jonah is happy, right? And then we read, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and then a scorching east wind. And the next thing we know is that sun beat down on the head of Jonah and he was faint. And now God sees again. We see here God asked Jonah twice, do you do well to be angry? And first time Jonah was set, gets angry at God for sparing the people of Nineveh from judgment. And the second time when God asked him, do you do well to be angry? He replies, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. It was, a, it was because God decided to take away the comfort he gave. Jonah, he thinks God was not compassionate toward him that he appointed a worm to kill the plant. Second reason Jonah is displeased and angry at God because God decided to take away the comfort he gave him. The first time, Jonah was angry because God had compassion toward people that he disagrees with. Second time, he's angry because God took away his comfort. Wow. On one side, Jonah, the prophet, is angry at God because God showed compassion toward the people that deserved severe judgment or punishment. But on the other side, Jonah, the well-deserving of God's compassion feels judged by God when he lost his comfort. How many of us feel that way? When, when God takes away the comfort that he gave. And all of us are, oh my gosh, pastor, life is so miserable. <laughs> Would you pray for me, pastor? Hey, hey what happened? Oh, you, just, you, know, you know the plan that God gave, he just decided to get away. Two reasons for Jonah's anger toward God, but one theme. Two reasons, but one theme. It's like, God, you showed compassion to the undeserving when you spared them from destruction, but you did not show compassion toward me when you destroyed the plant that you gave. God, you blessed those people who are so deserving, but cursed me who is well-deserving. God, you gave them they don't deserve, but you took from me what I deserve. What is the theme there? In one sentence, God failed my expectations. This is a simple theme, right? Somehow God just failed me. He fails my expectations. And chapter four, verse 10 and 11, isn't it amazing how an angry prophet gets at God for being compassionate to the undeserving and taking away a momentary comfort that God gave him. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, but you came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should not I pity in any way the great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. This is amazing. God is showing Jonah his own heart. He says to Jonah, 
Hey, you pity the plant that you did not even work for. I gave that to you because I'm compassionate like just you believe. No, you don't even make it grow. Shouldn't I pity these people? 120,000. You pity the plant. I'm pitying for these people. He says, I made each one of them. I made the plant that you're crying about. I also made 120 people in my image. That you don't care about. For Jonah, those people were just cruel people deserving of the punishment of God. But for God, they were his children made in his own image. And this is something that Jonah understood for the first time in his life. That God's compassion to all people is beyond his personal feelings. Right? Is it, is it possible for us to be prophets of God and children of God and to believers of this faithful God and disciples of God without ever seeing the heart of this God? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it possible for me to walk with him and sing with him and for him and pray with him and pray for people and give money? I can do a lot of stuff, but never, ever, ever seen the heart of God. And if it's true for prophet Jonah, we better believe it is possible for us to be in the same place, serving him, walking with him, preaching about him, and singing him, praying him, doing all the stuff, but never, ever seen the heart of God. Worship team, which you can come forward. See, Jonah was sent on a mission. But he did not really understand the intensity of this mission that he was sent. Jonah didn't understand the worth of the people he was sent to preach. Jonah didn't understand the character of God that he so deeply believed and served. Is it possible for us to, is it possible for us to serve a God that we really do not know what he's like? Except the only thing that I believe is that he's a God who just gives me money. Is it possible for us to just think this God as a God, just the, just the things that he gives when I need it? But God's heart is so much wider and deeper and such precious than that. And the prophet God, prophet Jonah, sees this for the first time in his life. He knew it in his head, but he's never connected or applied. Or what does that mean when God says he's compassionate? What does that really mean? Oh, that means that he has compassion toward the people that you don't agree with. That's what it really means. Jonah only understood the importance of the momentary comfort. Only thing that he's understood is the comfort. Jonah was out of touch with his surroundings. He didn't care about the people who lived nearby. He was out of touch with the message he was sent to preach. Remember, he said you're a compassionate God, but he's out of touch with that. The only thing that he was touched with was his own comfort. Let me tell you a story. of a missionary from Malden, Massachusetts. Malden is only 20 minutes from our house that we live. 
The name of the missionary is Adoniram Judson. He was born in Malden, Massachusetts. In 1812, Adoniram and Anne Judson sailed to the east, initially on track for India, but Adoniram and Anne eventually would lay their, down, their life in Burma or the modern-day Myanmar. From the beginning, their message was centered around God's call on their lives to missions. Both Adoniram and Anne knew God's command to reach the unreached and they spent their entire lives sharing the gospel to the unreached. Adoniram and Anne Judson went through many hard times in Burma. The poor food, unbearable heat and widespread disease made their life miserable and difficult. Two of their babies died in the terrible climate. Both Anne and Adoniram were imprisoned during the war with Britain. Anne died because of terrible conditions. Adoniram marries his wife Sarah and they had eight children together. A few years later in 1845, Sarah, his second wife, died looking for medical condition in the field. He lost two, two wives and five children. And when Adoniram Judson died in 1850, there were 7,000 Baptist believers, 63 Christian congregations, and 163 missionaries in Burma. To this day, after 150 years, his Burmese Bible translation is still in use. Adoniram Judson was buried into the watery depths of Bay of Bengal in India. Adoniram Jetson lived a life in touch with the message and in touch with the character of God Amen. and out of touch with from his own comfort. See, the mission of God really starts by knowing what is dear to God's heart. And we live and partake in this mission of God by continuing to fight for what is dear to God's heart. Would you please stand with me? Do you know what is the most and dearest thing for God's heart? It is people. It is people. You don't have to go to India. You don't have to go to Burma or Pakistan or any other place to be a missionary. You can just walk, you can just walk in a neighborhood. You can go into Walmart. And look at all those faces that you see and think, them. hey, God loves these people. Jesus died for these people. May I ask you in a very personal way, are you running away from God's direction that God gave you very clearly because you want a specific outcome today? Hey, God is calling you to himself this morning. Same words that came to Jonah is coming to you this morning. Arise and go. Go to Jesus. Come to Jesus this morning. He asks you to do certain things very clearly, but you don't want to do it. You're running away from it. And God is seeing that you want to control the outcome. But God is asking you, come to him. He wants the best for you more than you want the best for you. Because we are his children. I can look at Sarah and say that Sarah, I want Sarah's best more than she wants her best. And Faith and I can tell we know what's best for her more than she knows what's best for her. When God tells us something very clearly to you, 
We can trust him. He's a good God. Are you running away from a direction that God gave you personally regarding your family, your neighborhood? Maybe remember, maybe the evening walk you had and God asked you to reach out to the person living next door. Maybe God put the the name of the neighborhood that is the next neighborhood to you. Maybe God gave you asked you to pray about it and go do something. It was very clear direction. Maybe it's time to do that. Arise and go to the person who is next next door, living next door, who go to the person who works next to your office and, and maybe to your family members. And it is not easy to really follow God sometimes when he asks you very clearly. We are terrified. Oh, but I don't know God, what do they think? Well, I don't know if they ever welcome me because the past I have with them is not so pleasant. I don't know how to deal with that. But let me tell you this, when God asks you to do something, he never sent you and then sits back and watch. That's not a God he is. He comes around, he comes alongside and do the work with you. No, do the work for you and give you all the credit. That's what he always does. It is always God who does the work and when we choose to walk with him, he just gives you the credit. Do you think do you think Moses parted the parted the sea? God did. You, you see all the miracles in the Bible, God did. That's exactly what he can do when we follow his direction. Exactly what he does when we follow his direction. May I encourage you to spend some time thinking, what is God asking you today? Hey, we don't live this life because, because of Jonah. Jesus lived this life. He lived a life of in touch with people, in touch with the message, and out of touch with its own comfort. And that's the reason why we're here today. Would you please bow your head as we pray. Father, we thank you. Yes. This morning, thank you, thank you for the uh, calling that's coming to us this morning to live a life in touch with the message we carry and help us to live a life that reflects the nature and character of God. And help us to continue to choose to live a life out of touch with my own comfort. Help us to follow you the places that you lead us. Hard places, not pleasant places. But would you make us people of boldness and courage to follow you where you lead us, O oh Lord. And that we create in ourselves a heart not to seek comfort all the time. But your presence, God. Help us to strive to live such a life in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, that we will be people of in touch with our surroundings, in touch with the nature of God, and not always seeking what's best for us. Thank you for the mission that you have sending us on, O oh Lord. I pray that you would bless this church of providence that let this church be a missional church to Rhode Island, God. The people of this church, people of this congregation, let them go out and say, hey, God is sending me to live a life that's out in touch with the people who is in my life. In, in touch with the God that I really serve and not always seeking my convenience and my comfort. Thank you for the great mission that you called us to live by. Yes, Help us, O Lord. Hey, the altars are open. If you like to come and pray. And give your heart to Jesus and ask him, where in your life 
is that you will see an outer touch and in touch. I urge that you will come and spend time with the Lord. Ask Him. Amen. Amen. And praise the Lord. What a good word. The, the prophet's journey to the heart of God in the application to us is that each and every one of us would find our journey or be in a journey to the heart of God. There's so much to process. There's so much to pray about. So we're going to just end by asking you to find a place of prayer and process this message. Let God speak to you. Let God talk to your heart. Let God minister to you. But this is just such an awesome word and an awesome opportunity to meet with God. So I pray that and I ask that in Jesus' name. If you have to leave, please leave quietly. You can come to the front. You could kneel at your, your seat. You could sit at your seat. But just take a few moments to journey back to God from wherever you're at. Just come closer to him as the singer's worship leader leads in song. God bless you. Amen.